Hi, you're listening to Living Life on Purpose, and I'm your host, Matt Wilson. The goal of this show is for us to sit down with successful people who also live a life of purpose. We want you to hear their stories, understand that they've had to overcome adversity, how their faith has played a role, and ultimately we want you to be encouraged by the things that you hear so that you can walk through similar situations. We hope you enjoy. Today on the show, we have Dr. Blake Horn, President and CEO of Embrace Alabama Kids. Dr. Horn, it's an honor to have you here today. Great to be here. I really appreciate the invitation. Looking forward to our time together. Yes, sir. So tell me a little bit more about you and, and how you got involved with this ministry. I uh, have been leading the ministry for about nine years. Actually, this month, past month was nine years. Uh, I'm a native of Hawkinsville, Georgia, have lived in Montgomery now for about 22 years where our ministry is headquartered. I made a decision as a teenager to go into some form of ministry many years ago. Uh, At the time, I thought that might be uh, being a pastor. Uh, There are churches all over uh, the southeastern United States. Glad that I didn't make that decision. Uh, I went into some other form of ministry. I think um, I think that would not have been my calling, but attended uh, Mercer University where I had the opportunity to major in Christianity and also uh, play uh, Division one baseball for uh, for the Bears. And uh, that was a great experience. And had the opportunity after that to um, to return there after coaching and teaching in high school a little bit to uh, be a graduate assistant coach in baseball for Mercer and uh, finished that up in a couple of years. And my first job out of my master's program where I, I actually majored in family therapy was my, my degree there through the Mercer School of Medicine uh, was being a cottage director on the campus of the uh, Methodist Children's Home for Youth in Macon, Georgia. And uh, it was there when uh, my heart was stolen, I guess you could say, for this ministry uh, to abandoned, uh, neglected, or otherwise um, children that need homes, foster children. And so did that for a year, but uh, left there to pursue doctoral work at Florida State University uh, in marriage and family therapy and uh, had the opportunity after completing doctoral work to move to Montgomery to, um, to lead a counseling center affiliated with my home church here in Montgomery. And um, after doing that for 12 and a half years, uh, life came full circle uh, when the uh, leadership uh, position here at Embrace Alabama Kids, previously known as the United Methodist Children's Home, uh, became available in uh, the spring of 2012. So I've been here since that time and and absolutely love the work that we do helping uh, vulnerable children and youth here in Alabama. Well, that's good stuff. A couple of connections that we have. I'm also from Georgia and grew up South Atlanta and Jonesboro, Georgia. And then my parents now live closer to Macon than they do Atlanta. They keep moving further and further south. But um, so I actually went to Georgia Southern and so know exactly where Mercer is and so it's it's nice that we're we're both transplants to Alabama and we brought That's some right. of that Georgia That's goodness right. with us. Been to Statesboro many times. Uh, Georgia Southern was a very strong baseball program when I was in college many years ago. So uh, very familiar with with there, and actually did football camp in high school in Statesboro. So uh, and and very familiar with Jonesboro as well. Well, that's definitely a small world. And so from that standpoint, you you got involved with. Embrace Alabama Kids or United Methodist Children's Home at the time. And, you know, tell us a little bit more about what the organization does and, and kind of what the heart behind the organization is. Sure. Yeah. We, um, 
our ministry is to um, children who, for whatever reason, are unable to live with their their biological families. Um, Most of the children that we serve are in the foster care system. Some of the children that we serve, especially in our higher ed program, uh, by way of their own resilience, avoided the foster care system, but still need a lot of support. Uh, the ministries that, that we provide uh, are oriented around uh, group homes for youth uh, that need a safe place to live. Uh, we recruit foster families uh, to care for kids within their homes and show the love of Christ to children through extending uh, the hospitality of their home. We also help facilitate adoptions. Um, we also work to keep families together, if at all possible. Uh, if a child enters the foster care system, there's a 50% chance that they'll grow up in the foster care system. And so we try to prevent that as much as possible. And then we also provide opportunities through two of our higher ed homes for, um, for foster youth to attend college. Foster youth have a, only 20% of foster youth actually attempt college. And of that 20%, only 5% graduate. And so we've developed a program that is residential in nature that is uh, besting those odds in in great fashion. And so we're proud of that. Another ministry that we offer here in Montgomery uh, is Mary Ellen's Hearth. It is a home for homeless women and their children. Uh, Homelessness is the third leading, leading cause of children being in the foster care system. So if we can keep families together, by providing a place where they can work to get on their feet uh, that helps keep children out of foster care and keeps families together, which is a major part of our mission. So that comprises the bulk of our work here, Uh, not only in Alabama, we're also located in the panhandle of Florida as well. And our ministry there is called Embrace Florida Kids. Okay. So from that standpoint, first of all, I've, I've done a lot with the homeless community here in Birmingham, and occasionally we'll, we will see, you know, children or, you know, pregnant women that are out on the streets. And, and it is such a brutal thing. I mean, it's, it's hard enough for people to be on the streets without children, but, you know, with the extra mouth to feed or extra mouths to feed, it makes it that much more difficult. Plus, you know, I mean, it's, it's not a good environment for anybody, let alone a small child that, that grew up with a mindset of, you know, that type of poverty and, and brokenness. So I definitely have an understanding of that to a certain extent. And then I've got some friends that have you know, been foster parents and, and they've talked about the good, the bad, and the challenges with, with all of that. And uh, so definitely uh, appreciate all that you guys are doing. So from that standpoint, what, what ages does the program, you know, how, when do y'all start and, and how sure, long sure. does that go? I like to say, my saying is that we take care of kids from the cradle through college. Uh, to simplify, we have a home in Mobile called Babies First uh, that takes in teen moms who are either pregnant or have already had a child who are in the custody of DHR, the Department of Human Resources here in Alabama. And uh, we, we take them in and we teach them how to be good moms. Um, we make sure they graduate high school. Uh, we make sure that they have the appropriate job skills training that they need. Uh, we put them through community college. Uh, if they're interested in that. And so uh, so from that program, we are taking care of very young children, uh, babies. Uh, in that home, we have 10 moms uh, and right now 11 babies in that home. And then, you know, our, our children that are maybe a little bit older, uh, preteen years, most of them are cared for through foster families. 
uh, at any given time in our foster homes in Alabama and Florida, we will have somewhere in the neighborhood of 80 to 100 kids in care. Um, we recruit families all over the state, many times through churches that support us uh, to become foster parents, to open their hearts to the miracle of foster parenting. And uh, we provide the extra support and training and care that they need. It's very difficult to be a foster parent really is a labor of love. So we provide a lot of the extras for those families in terms of support that they need to be successful. So most of the children that are at grammar school age would be in foster homes. Uh, then moving on up the age continuum, um, once a child that's in the foster care system reaches their teen years, unfortunately, uh, rare and precious is the family these days that takes a teenage child into their home. Uh, most foster families prefer to care for younger children. And that's where our group home ministry is so vital uh, to serve this population. Chances are, you know, if you've reached your teen years, if you, if you haven't been adopted or you haven't been reunified or play with your family or placed in kinship care, then a group home is probably your only other option. And so that's a very important part of our ministry. And uh, we have a large campus, a larger campus, in Headland, Alabama, near Dothan in the Wiregrass area, where we care for teen boys that are still in the foster care system. In um, Milton, Florida, we have a group home for, for teenage girls that mirrors our ministry to boys in, in the Dothan area. So we don't do quite as much of that work as we used to, uh, but still a very important part of our mission. And then once you know children graduate high school, we have our higher education homes that are located in Tuscaloosa and Florence. Our young men uh, are, are live in our Tuscaloosa home and attend either Shelton State Community College or the University of Alabama, uh, whichever they're ready for and what's appropriate for them at the time. And then our young ladies attend the University of North Alabama, a wonderful, I think one of the best kept secrets in higher education in our state is the University of North Alabama. We have a wonderful relationship with the administration there. And they do a great job of supporting the uh, population of kids that we serve. So you can see, like I said, we take care of kids, you know, really from the cradle through college. I think that that's fantastic. And obviously there's such a great need. How many children are in the foster system in the state of Alabama? Do you know currently? The, the numbers that I see are somewhere between five to 6,000 currently in, in wow. foster care in the state of Alabama. Wow. Um, so a tremendous need. Uh, I'd be remiss, too, if I didn't mention that we also operate a home in Birmingham, not necessarily for foster children, but children that keeping with our mission can't live with their biological parents. We have a wonderful partnership with Glenwood, uh, an agency that cares for primarily autistic youth in Birmingham. Uh, they've been a joy to work with. Uh, we have a property on Overton Road, not far from Mountain Brook High School, uh, across uh, the interstate where uh, through our home, uh, eight autistic youth are cared for in cooperation with, uh, with Glenwood. And that's a tremendous need in our state as well uh, for residential services for youth that are so challenging that they really can't be cared for in their home. So wherever you find that variable, children that for whatever reason can't live at home with their parents, uh, you'll find us wanting to meet a need there. Wow. So we've, we've actually... There's an organization that we're a part of called Addie's Army, and they're in the process of building. Uh, they've got a, a daughter named Addie who is special needs. She's autistic. 
And so they've got a community of autistic families and they're in the process of raising funds for that very type of community that you're talking about, a place where children, as they get older and they can no longer stay in the home, Mm -hmm. they've got to have some sort of place for them to live. That's that's something that they're working on right now. And, And Glenwood is a place that I'm familiar with. Several years ago, we had a serve project where we were helping with special needs families. And that was one of the projects that uh, some of our group went out to uh, help them do some repairs and painting, things of that nature. So yeah, uh, definitely familiar with that. It's it's a huge need, as I understand from our partners at Glenwood, that there are over a thousand children in Alabama on a waiting list for those kind of residential services. So a uh, uh, tremendous need. And we look to in the future as we um, try to improve uh, the location of some of our facilities, maybe for higher ed. Uh, our higher ed homes right now are not as close to campus as we would like for them to be. And as we, re- we, we meet that need and try to get them closer to campus, we hope to expand our services in that area through the repurposing of some of those homes and some of that real estate. So just a tremendous need here in our state. I think that, you know, from a, a Christian perspective, when we know what the word of God says, that, that he knew us before we were even formed in our mother's womb. And so we know that every single child that is born has purpose and, and God had plans and a purpose for that child before they were even born. Uh, I think that it is so important that, you know, the children are taken care of and, and from an early age on until they are adults. And it's uh, to me, it just it's just amazing that there are that many children that, you know, for whatever reason, they don't have that loving environment where, you know, they don't know what it's like to be brought up in a home with a mother or a father or you know, even a grandparent. You know, it's just they're, right. they're there. And, and thankfully, there are organizations like you know, Embrace Alabama, where you are embracing these children, you are giving them that loving environment because you know, it's hard enough when you're in a, a good home to make good decisions with the world as crazy as it is today. Right. Um, so yeah, no, so what all do y'all teach those children as they're in the, the system and, and as they're a part of the organization? Right. You know, it's interesting what you just said there reminds me of something I tell my two daughters all the time is that their sample is very skewed um, uh, from the perspective of having two working professional parents that, you know, spend a lot of time with them, put a lot of resources into them, take them to church, um, take them on vacations, you know, all of these different things that our, our kids enjoy and take for granted. But I, I would say to get to your question, the major principle that we are trying to teach our kids at every step along the way uh, comes down to one, one thing that I say every time I have an opportunity to speak in a church is that God loves you. We love you. And by coming to be with us, you don't ever again have to live the way that you've been forced to live up to this point in your life. There's a, there's a better way, and we will help set you on that path for life. And so that's the principle that we try to teach it in every one of our programs. And we try to provide the resources and the opportunities to our kids to demonstrate that. Uh, we take our kids on summer trips to places they've never been, uh, to Disney World. You know, up until the pandemic hit for four years straight, we had implemented 
well, maybe even more. I think it had been five years, not long after I started here, we implemented a summer mission trip for our foster youth. Many of the kids that we were serving had never been out of a tri-county area, you know, throughout their youth. And so we've had a mission trip to New York. We've had a mission trip to our nation's capital. Um, We've had a mission trip actually out of the country to the Bahamas Methodist Habitat. We've been to New Orleans. Uh, We do it for a couple of reasons. Number one, we do want them to experience travel and the learning that is associated with that. But also, I mean, these are mission trips where they're serving others, and we want them to know that no matter what they've been through in their life, they have something to give. And uh, that's been one of the highlights of our, um, of our work here, I believe, since I've been here, is, is to see how transformative uh, that experience has been for our youth. Just to give you a, a quick story on, on what these kids bring home when they do something like that. Our young men in Headland uh, live in a group home out in the country. Uh, they attend Dell County High School. And um, across the street from our group home, an elderly man was living in, in sort of a rundown um, trailer across the street. And he had, he was in his wheelchair, but he was wheelchair bound. And uh, they got into the habit after the mission trip of taking food over to him. They developed a relationship, taking food over to him. And just, I believe, from that awareness of having been on the mission trip and doing mission work, recognized a a tremendous need that this man had. His uh, wheelchair ramp was dilapidated and really didn't function. And they actually had to lift him uh, onto the ramp, and it looked like it was going to fall in at any moment. Our youth contacted uh, the uh, men's group, the UM, uh, the United Methodist Men's Group at First Methodist of Dothan and initiated that group along with them building a new wheelchair ramp for their neighbor. So, um, yeah, service learning is, is powerful for our kids. And, um, so that, that, you know, those Christian values are built into everything that, that we try to do and teach our kids. Well, I think that that's extremely important. Stay tuned. We'll have more living life on purpose after we hear from one of our sponsors. Are you a business person that's hungry for more of the Holy Spirit at work? Partnering with God is what you were designed for. Experiencing God at work and being a blessing to the city that you live in is accessible to every believer. Hearing from God for your business and city shouldn't feel mysterious or inaccessible. Heaven and Business exists to give you access to the tools and training you need to equip you to grow with God in business and influence. Begin with a free trial and an online membership, then explore the events, community, and other resources. Check out heavenandbusiness.com today if this is what you're looking for, and I promise you won't be disappointed. And now, back to Living Life on Purpose with your host, Matt Wilson. Yeah, you talked about a skewed lens, and I've got two daughters as well, and we take them out to serve with us a lot. It is extremely important that they do recognize you've got a lot of really strong positives in your life, and you know, not everybody has this situation, and we're going to go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus where we can, because there are so many people that, that are in different situations. And you know, just Saturday, we were out serving downtown, and a friend of mine, John, he's in his early 50s. He lives on the streets and and he's really he struggles with alcoholism. And we were talking about the the struggles with alcoholism and 
alcohol is something that I've overcome in my life. And so I was just sharing personal testimony with him. In the last couple of times we've been out there, I've shared that personal, hey, if God did it for me, he can do it for you. But at nine years old, he started drinking because mm-hmm. he was in the foster care system and mm-hmm. his brother, you know, introduced him to alcohol. And uh, what I didn't realize was one of my, my ministry partner friends, Chris Carr, was sharing with me on Sunday afternoon that that his dad was actually, you know, he'd committed murder. So his dad was in prison and his dad somehow would get out of prison. And every time he'd get out of prison, he would try to find them. And, you know, he tried and find the, the children. So they were constantly on the run. Not only were they in the foster care system, but they had to constantly be shuffled around. Right. And now John is, you know, living on the streets and, and still battling alcohol to this day because of bad influences early on. And then not ever having that stable situation where he was experiencing love. It was constant trauma and constant, you know, like fearing for his life. And so I just, I think about, you know, as you're talking about the, the positive situations and the positive environment that y'all are nurturing and facilitating that, you know, for all the positive situations that y'all are creating, there's a John out there. Right. That, right. You know, it, and, as and, an adult and, still hasn't recovered. Right. No, you, you bring a good point. And, and to, to enter into the foster care system, you know, no two placements are exactly alike. Um, you know, not every child who enters the, that's why we try to prevent that through our family preservation work, which by the way, has a 90% success rate. Uh, we work with families that um, are on the brink of dissolution. Uh, there's a referral made from DHR and we go into the home. This is a large part of the work we do and try to help those parents meet the goals that they need to meet to keep their kids. Uh, because, you know, as I said, if they entered the foster care system, there's a 50% chance they'll grow up there. And not all foster placements, you know, are the kind of placements that we provide for our kids. So uh, I was reminded of that as you were speaking of your friend. You know, and the thing you have to remember, too, when you, you think about your friend is um, think about moving around that much, what that does to not only the child emotionally, but academically. And in my opinion, you know, in my own personal life, um, education has been the great equalizer. I'm a first generation college graduate. And one of the things that we've really, really emphasized in the last nine years in our ministry here is education. Um, it is, it is the great equalizer and foster kids often when they come to us are several grade levels behind. And so getting them caught up to their grade level and having them graduate high school is a major emphasis of ours. You know, your friend, I mean, chances are if he could have graduated high school, had someone to assist him in going to trade school or going to college, you know, that would have provided a resource, you know, a, a, um, a resource for him in battling addiction. And um, so we're big believers in education. It's been a large part of my story uh, as a first generation college graduate. And, um, you know, there, Faith, instilling a sense of faith and getting a, a young person an education, that goes a long way in this world. I agree. And just helping them realize that, you know, God does have a purpose for them and trying to help them discover what that looks like and walk that out, I think is, is extremely important. When you realize that you were put on this earth to do something and, you know, then discovering what that looks like and then starting to walk in that it just, you know, creates a whole different mindset and that um, it's exciting that you guys are trying to equip them with these tools to try and move forward in a positive manner 
And so when they leave your program, when they you know, go off on their own, what are some of the testimonies of, of you know, people that have gone through and, and they're out on the other side now? What does that look like? Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about that a little bit and I'll, I'll tie it to our higher ed program. Now, not every one of our kids, not everyone goes through our higher ed program. We have young people that do wonderful in graduating from high school and decide that going into the military is where they want to go. And we've had especially a lot of success with that in our Headland group home. Our group home director there, John McGlown, is an Army, um, an Army veteran and um, runs the home with a lot of love, but also with a lot of discipline. And uh, several of the young men there have decided to, to go into the Marines or I mean, we've had a, a young man there in the Marines that was guarding our embassy in Italy. It's a wonderful story. Came to us with a lot of problems, uh, controlling his temper and his anger. And, you know, John just had that discipline uh, and patience with him. Uh, I believe related to his his military days that really helped. Um, but to give you a specific story and also tie this into our higher ed program, um, we had a young lady. Um, well, let me speak first of all about what our higher ed program is doing uh, with this population of kids. As I mentioned earlier, this population of kids, 20% attempt college, um, 5% actually graduate. Uh, since our program's inception uh, seven years ago, uh, we've had 13 graduates, including our graduates, 60% of our kids who've entered the program have either graduated or are progressing toward their degrees. So we're providing them with the kind of wraparound support they need to be successful. The academic support, the residential support. I mean, think about it. Foster kids are essentially homeless once they leave the foster care system. Dorms close on holidays, right? They close in the summertime if you're not in summer school. Uh, if you're a homeless student, and there are a lot of them at the University of Alabama, uh, you really don't have anywhere to go. So residentially, we provide that year-round place for them to live and be safe. Uh, but on top of that, we provide the academic support and spiritual support and the accountability they need. You know, are you going to class? You know, that mentoring relationship, helping them with financial literacy, which is such a big problem for kids at that age. You know, knowing what a bad deal is on buying a used car. Um, <laughs> that's been a lot of the kind of conversations that we have. But uh, so we're, we're seeing a lot of success. One young lady, I'll give you an example. Meredith was one of our first graduates. Uh, she was from the North Alabama area. I believe she entered in our first class of young ladies coming into the home there. Um, her sister, who was a year older than her, um, I mean, this, this is a contrast. Um, for whatever reason, uh, was not interested in college. At this point in her, in her life, has five children that she's struggling to care for. Meredith came into our program. Um, she was a finance major. Um, she worked while she was in college. We um, assisted her in various obstacles that probably would have made another college student drop out. She was giving her father money to pay for her automobile. He was not making the payments. Her car got repossessed. We helped her through that. Um, she graduated with honors eventually after four years. Uh, she's working for a healthcare company in Nashville. She's working on her MBA and she's building her first house. Wow. Now contrast that with her sister who is still sort of stuck in the circumstances in which she grew up. So again, there's the example of, you know, education just being that great equalizer. 
One of the things I'm really proud of that we do with our, our youth and our higher ed program is that the last year or two, if they've shown they can be responsible, we have them live uh, on their own. We want them to get more independence, live outside of our home, uh, either with a roommate or by themselves. We will pay half of their rent. They will pay the other half. They pay us for the other half. We bank that rent. And when they graduate, we give it back to them to get them started in life. That's great. Uh, I think when Meredith graduated, we gave her a $6,000 check. Wow. Um, and that became a, a large portion of the down payment on her house. Hmm. Um, so um, that's what we're all about, is about restoring childhoods and creating a thriving adulthood for our young people in the name of Jesus Christ. It's the best name to, to operate in. So that is, uh, that's fantastic. So from that standpoint, how can people learn more about what you guys do in, in the organization itself? Well, it's, it would be easy. You can uh, go to our, our website, which is uh, embracealabamakids.org. If you're in Florida and you happen to be listening to this, we, our website is embracefloridakids.org. This is new for us. It's a new, we just, just in uh, March of this year, we launched our, our new name. You know, we used to be a, an orphanage in Selma for over 100 years, and that's why we were known as a home, if you will. But we made the decision here in the last year or so that uh, the name Embrace Alabama Kids and Embrace Florida Kids, that really describes better what we do. Uh, that's our mission. Our, our name is our mission. And uh, the, the name home doesn't necessarily describe all the different programs that, that we've talked about today. So uh, you can go to embracealabamakids.org or embracefloridakids.org and find out all you need to know. And we'd love to hear from you. I definitely appreciate you being with us today, Dr. Horn. And it has been an honor and a privilege to hear all the things that you are doing. And, and I know that you're changing lives in these children and helping them become not only better followers of Jesus, but also better you know, productive adults and uh, just trying to change the environment that they're in. So thank you for doing that. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate the opportunity to be with you. Yes, sir. So if you've enjoyed this episode, we hope that you will like and comment on Facebook. Follow us there, Living Life on Purpose, and then also on Instagram, Living Life on Purpose Always. We appreciate you listening and we will catch you next time.